from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. Welcome everyone who's watching live and everyone who's listening to the podcast right now. Yeah, now that was good. Even that guy in the back who said, you can do it. I try to be that guy at every event, okay? If you're ever like, who just said that? You're like, my pastor. We're at a Mets game though. They need that. Okay, whatever. Why don't you turn to your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. I am using the NIV, but more specifically today, the New Adventure Bible for teens. Because we have had people accept Christ every week. I had a crowd of people around me last Sunday, and somebody actually said, can I have that book that you read out of? Uh, I would like that book. It seemed like it was so full of wisdom. And I'm like, do you mean the Bible? And he was like, that was the Bible. Wow. Yes. So I gave him my Bible. Side note, on the front of that Bible was embossed the the phrase, run toward the roar. And I got that Bible last time I took a trip to a drug cartel-controlled region of Columbia, South America, to preach the gospel. And uh, there's actually a story where uh, as as a lion ages, it begins to lose its teeth, and it begins to lose its agility. And so what happens in a pride of lions is that they will use that old lion because even though it's losing physical abilities, its voice and its roar is deepening and it's scarier. So they will actually take that, this pride of lions will take that older lion and situate themselves in such a way that that the, the fear that their roar produces will actually flush the prey out. And as the prey is being flushed out, the real young lions with the agility and all are waiting for them and pounce on them and murder them and eat them. This is nature, okay? Um, but what's crazy is that if the prey only knew that the true safety was running toward the roar, because if that prey would show up, they would discover an old toothless lion that didn't even have claws to take them out. So sometimes when you're facing fear, the thing that I told myself, and you can tell yourself this too, is run toward the roar. Run toward the roar. And, you know, people were telling me because there was this advisory against traveling in that part of Columbia when I got the opportunity to preach there last a couple years ago. And the United States had issued this advisory. And I told them, I said, the safest place on the planet is inside the perfect will of God. I am safer in Columbia, surrounded by drug cartel, than I am crossing the street in suburban Long Island. I've got a higher likelihood of getting hit by a car and dying outside the will of God than I do going to preach the gospel in that dangerous region. Because danger has everything to do with your position. And if you are called to something, if God called you to it, he'll call you through it. Run toward the roar. So I told him that story as I gave him that book that he didn't know was the Bible. And fast forward while I'm buying a new one, I'm actually studying out of my daughter Bella's Bible, the Adventure Bible with a hologram on front. <laughs> Are you guys at Second Chronicles chapter 34 yet? All right, it says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the left or to the right. 
You know, it's funny because I was raised in a town in a city called Hammond, Indiana. And in fifth grade, I was like the recipient of this new program in their educational, pro, in their educational programming and strategy. They built a new building because we were like hood rats. I don't know if you've ever seen the garbage pail kids. That was us. And they said, you know, we're going to take a, a certain group of students who are going to be at a new school building, and we're going to put them into, like, a new strategy and try to change this. Because, you know, we, we're outside of Chicago, the south side of Chicago on the Indiana side and still mill territory. And so I was a recipient of this new program, and I walked into fifth grade, and I was uh, greeted by my new teacher. Her name was Miss Gonzalez. Now, Miss Gonzalez at this point was the same height as me, and she was like probably in her 20s, and I was like 11 years old in fifth grade. And I don't know what it is about just boys in fifth grade, but my, my mind had told me in that moment, because you're the same height as Miss Gonzalez, there's a very high likelihood you're going to marry her. You know when you get like that, that crush on the teacher kind of moment? So in fifth grade, I'm convinced, like, I just found my boo, you know? Sorry, Julie. I don't know where she went. She can't even sit under this preaching. It's too much for her. And so, <laughs> so what happened was Miss Gonzalez sat the class down. She began to explain that for the duration of this year, we're going to be doing this special thing to teach us the responsibilities of life and entrepreneurship. We are going to be doing mini economy. And I was like, oh, snaps, what's mini economy? And she was like, it's like monopoly money for doing assigned jobs that you have. And you have your own bank account and ledger and all this stuff. So I'm thinking like, okay, this is cool, it's cool. And we each got an assignment for our job. And my job was the chalkboard eraser. And I had to erase the chalkboard every day, and then I got a check. And, and what she announced was that at the end of the year, there's going to be this huge auction with all these toys and items. But then she said, class, the biggest prize that you can win, like the craziest one, is a full day at an arcade. It's a full day field trip with me and you at an arcade. And because I was madly in love with Miss Gonzalez, I was like, oh snaps, no you didn't, just open that door, girl. This is how we talked in Hammond, Indiana. No you didn't, girl, I'm about to make that mini economy money. So, for those of you who are thinking that this is an experiment in socialism or communism, because we all were assigned our jobs, we also were given an opportunity to start our own businesses. So I'm like, okay, cool, I gotta come up with an idea. And now at this point in my life in fifth grade, I was in martial arts and in Boy Scouts at the same time. Anyone ever do martial arts here? We got any ninjas in the house? All right, all right, sign them up for security team. Do I have anyone here from Boy Scouts? We, okay, one person, okay, cool, cool. Okay, cool. Nobody else knows how to start a fire out here, spiritually or physically. Okay, whatever. Lose no drug. <laughs> now, you know I'm going to preach in a few minutes, but here's the thing. So we, I started this business. I had this genius idea. I'm like, if you combine martial arts with Boy Scouts, I can teach people how to be ninjas on my lunch hour, and they can pay me dues every single day. So I started this, this group, and it started to grow. I had like seven students, then 20, 30, 40. And before you know it, it's like the weirdest scene in the history of this school. It's Mike Signorelli teaching like 40 kids martial arts on lunch and just straight banking, right, off the dues. And every single time they paid me their dues, I'm like, I'm coming for you, Miss Gonzalez. And... So here's what began to happen. When I had that idea, as we began to grow as a group, I was like, naturally, we need a name. And the name that I thought was most appropriate was, of course, the Black Dragons. <laughs> I don't know how that came. 
So now we become the black dragons. Now we are a gang. And then kids got the same idea. Like, you know what? He's making all this money. They found out about it. So then they make their gangs. All the kids who were raised by the motorcycle riding uh, parents, they, they started a gang called the Harleys. They were a little dirty and grungy, but, but they started their gang. Then we had the jocks and the white kids who listened to rap, and they started a gang called Deuces. I still don't know what it means. But what happened was over the course of one month, we devolved, not evolved, in this experiment of mini economy into a full-blown syndicate crime organization. And it all culminated to my friend Corey Top getting stabbed in the leg with a protractor set during math class. That really happened. And I'm just going to say this because everyone's going to ask about it anyways. Yes, at the end of the school year, I did win that grand prize. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Don't celebrate. That's weird, okay? That's weird. <laughs> yes, I did have the biggest pile of money, but it's a kind of a funny story. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going to preach, so just bear with me. I showed up. She came to the house, which this is totally never going to happen again in the history of education. Like, this was totally another era, right? Remember that? When you could actually ride your bike and be gone, and you did it instantly, get kidnapped and stuff. You remember that in the good old days? <laughs> where there were no phones like connected to people and you were just gone and you had to be back by the time the lights changed. I don't know if you guys remember that. If you weren't born in that era, I totally feel sorry for you. Um, but basically in that, in that area, so I get in the car and there's this guy sitting and her name was Miss M. I did my research. It was M-I-S-S. And I got in the car and there was a dude in the passenger seat and I had to sit in the back and I was like, who's this? And she's like, oh, this is my fiance, Steve. I was like, hey, Steve. <laughs> it was totally like that. She told my mom, I don't know. He was just depressed the whole time he was playing games. I don't know what is wrong with him. <laughs> Stupid street fighter. Every guy, Steve on the screen. But <laughs> my point in saying that is that there is something deeply embedded in all of you to fight. It is so deeply ingrained in our DNA as a species that in the fifth grade, without being taught how, we spawned our own new gangs and started stabbing each other with protractors. That is how deep it is inside of all of us to want to fight somebody and something and to form groups that fight against other groups. We, we were not given a textbook. We were taught how to do a ledger for a bank with fake money, and we produced gang warfare in Hammond, Indiana over it. And so I guess what I'm saying to you, and you can take notes and write this down before we jump into this story about a man named Josiah, is, is that if, if, if the enemy cannot stop you from fighting, he will then distract you with the wrong fight. If the enemy cannot stop you from fighting, he will always distract you with the wrong fight. And because 100% of you are actually wired to fight, I can tell you right now, you may pause the fight, but you're going to never stop fighting. And I'll tell you what, we got a unique brand of warriors out here on Long Island in New York City. Am I right? So the greatest revelation I had this week as I was preparing this message was you are not going to get these people to stop fighting. You're going to have to change the direction of their warfare. And some of you are so distracted that God wants to give you a new direction because the enemy gave you a new distraction. God wants to give you a new direction because the enemy's been giving you a new distraction. 
Matter of fact, we are living in an era of constantly being triggered. Some of you guys every day, are you're fatigued because you're fighting so many battles every single day. I'm going to quickly read a list. This, this list I'm going to read is, is actually so ubiquitous in our country that it has actually produced a viral meme of a character uh, called Arthur from a cartoon's fist clenching up. Because this is us. This is America. I mean, we're not affecting any real social change. Let's be honest. We're just ticked off and tired all the time. Right? You want to march? No, I just want to type. I'm going to read this list. I'm going to see if I can trigger everyone in this room. Are you ready? These are the things that tick us off and that we have devoted our life and legacy to fighting. Wealthy people. Poor people. The American flag. Guns. Homeschooling, private school, public school, all of them. Entrepreneurs. Here's your favorite, Donald Trump. Okay, here's another one, Obama. Here's another one, Alex Jones. Here's another one, country music. No, you didn't. Not, not Loretta Lynn and Johnny Cash. No, you didn't. Here's another one, hip-hop. It's Drake's fault. Here's another one. The proper way to mount toilet paper. And I rebuke that demon that would tell you it's under and not over in the name of Jesus. We know it's over. Where are my people at? Put your owner key on the ground if it's under. Here's something else. Big cheeseburgers. Gluten intolerance. I'm going to look this way while I say it. I can't even serve the Lord's Supper with gluten in it anymore because the cross can fix everything but gluten intolerance. And somebody's stomach said, amen. (laughs) Babies, tweens, teens, and millennials. I hate being in a conversation where an older person realizes he might be a millennial. I liked him until then. I thought he was capable of so much until I realized he's a millennial. Social Security, Walmart, here's another trigger, essential oils. We drink them, we snort them, we pour them, we burn them, we vape them. Essential oils, we will live to be 300. Here's another trigger, Tide Pods. Here's another one for the moms heading out to the beaches on Long Island, sunscreen instant death put it you apply it to your child they die here's the next one last but not least lebron lebron that's my sermon let us pray (laughs) actually the title of this message for those of you who are triggered for those of you who are actually getting up and getting ready to leave right now is i'll pass why don't you say i'll pass i'll pass why don't you tell the person next to you i'll pass Tell that other person, I'll pass. You know, sometimes we are so fatigued because we are, in fact, fighting the wrong battles. And I'll tell you, in order to pass your test, now you'll have to learn how to pass on the offense, pass on the argument. I'm preaching right now to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. I said, I'll pass. I'll pass. What happens this week if I jump on Facebook and I see some posts that are just flooding the news feeds that just say, I'll pass. You know, maybe the next time you see something that wants to trigger you, maybe you just post, I'll pass. 
because you have been fighting too many of the wrong battles and you are so fatigued. And I want to tell you about a man named Josiah. But before I do, can I just tell you in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, and you could just hold your finger in your Bible where you're at in Chronicles, but 1 Samuel 17, 47 says, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword or the spear or the keyboard, this is Mike Signorelli's translation, or the text message or the yelling match. That's not how God fights. For the battle is the Lord's. See, it can only be one person's. It can either be God's battle or your battle. And you will lose 100% of the battles that he has not called you to, church. For the battle is the Lord's. And it says this in, in, in Ephesians. Let's look at this. I, I just love the word. It says this in Ephesians. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Say, do not. What, what do we not understand about that phrase, do not? If I receive the phrase, do not, like my four-year-old does, it means I'm probably going to do it every once in a while. Do not put your hands in that. Where is her hands going? Right up in that pile of filth on that street in Queens. And she might try to eat it. And, and the Lord says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What are we going to do as soon as we get out of here and we're scrolling through Facebook? put our hands right in the mess as we grab our phone and start concocting the most brilliantly orchestrated argument of our lives to affect no change. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the principalities and the powers in high heavenly places, according to Ephesians 6, 12. What would happen if the church stopped shooting our wounded and started fighting spiritual battles? For too long, the church has been the only place that kills and wounds our wounded. I see in the spiritual realm, people who come in here every single week who have got to bear the scars, not even from the devil, but from church leadership. What would happen if we started fighting the right battle? It's been hard for some of us to even enjoy church and a church experience because we're so tired of being fought by those shepherds who should have tenderly cared for us. Because gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, and too many men don't know it. Man. Yeah, we're getting free today. They're kicking us out because we got a movie in a little while, but the feature presentation is happening right now in your heart. Josiah is just such a picture. At eight years old, he wasn't trying to win a date with Miss Gonzalez, and he wasn't creating his own black dragon game with Mini Economy. At eight years old, Josiah's dad was actually the leader over Judah, over the people of Israel, and his dad was assassinated. And because his dad was assassinated, he was able to come into the position of ruler over the entire nation at eight years old. And at eight years old, he was so consumed with being a reformer, so consumed with doing what God would have him to do, that even by the time he was 16 years old, he had completely reformed their culture to go back towards the heart of God. He caused idols to come down inside of the temple that had been erected up against other gods. He had such a heart for reformation that Josiah, at the age of 16, actually started to clean out the temple and discovered a, a scroll with the law of God. And as he commissioned that scroll to be read and interpreted, had such a burden for the things of God that he actually took that law and said, we are gonna do every single letter of this law. And there was just so much life that was happening all around Josiah in his attempt to honor God and what he felt God was. 
I feel like there's the heart of Josiah in many of you. The heart of Josiah, even in this house, we have people who are reformers. Maybe you never felt comfortable at another church. Maybe you just go to another workplace and you envision another way, a new way. I mean, I've just, I, we have so many mis, misfits that are perfectly fitting in place here at V1 Church because we're just reformers. We just have a vision for another way. That was Josiah, but, but I wanna tell you he's in scripture to give us a warning because there's a pitfall for his life that I don't wanna see anyone go down for. Can I tell it to you briefly? So chapter 34, we have the story about the beginnings of his life and ministry. And then in 35, chapter 22, or thir chapter 35, verse 22, it says, nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him. Who's him? So fast forward, Josiah's done so much and now he's being confronted by this messenger from an Egyptian army because he's been so successful in all that he's done for God that he has just basically said, I'm gonna go now kill this other army and take more territory for the king, for the heavenly king. Now Josiah had gotten to this place where he allowed his previous successes to actually hinder him from a future success. And did you know that the warning that I wanna to give to you is that the greatest deterrent to your future success will be your past successes. Stay hungry, stay humble. I never step up on this stage acting like just because I preached a good message last week and I heard from God for you last week that I'm gonna hear from God every time I open my mouth. Do you know that I'm in that projection room on my belly before God every single week for you? I'm at the house saying, God, it's like I never did it before. And Josiah allowed his previous success to actually hinder him from a future success because he said, everything I've done has been blessed, but here's the difference. God had called him to every single thing that he did up to that point, but God did not call him to this one fight. Here's the wisdom for someone. If you're writing this down, take notes. You will lose 100% of the fights that God did not call you to. You know, recently Josh Hampshire, who's on the board of directors for V1 Church flew in because he's actually taking a kid from Ukraine in to live with him for a month in Indiana and just show him another way to do life. And he came out to New York the other day, he flew into New York City to pick up this kid and his name's Nestor, he's an awesome young man. And I believe God's changing the course of his destiny by these interactions, isn't it amazing? But he told me, he said, I had this crazy experience on the flight here. I'm sitting next to this bearded guy with a huge top hat on. And I thought to myself, he looks like he's famous. I'm gonna ask him who he is. And he, he asked the guy, he said, hey, I, you know, I don't mean to be weird, but like, who are you? What do you do? And he said, well, I'm in this, uh, this small band. I don't know if you heard of us. We're called the Lumineers. Isn't that crazy? And, and he began to talk to me and he said, yeah, as he was sharing his story, he said, I came out to New York and with the band and we tried to make it out here, the scene was too hard. We just could not make it here. And then we went back to Colorado. And then from there we launched and we were famous. And now you see what's happening with us. And Josh turned to me in the car and he says, isn't it incredible to think about you coming from Indiana and you've got dudes like the Lumineers, you've got Third Eye Blind and other bands that try to, you know, Dan the drummer's favorite band, Third Eye Blind, who try, <laughs> who try to make it out here and couldn't make and go home. And he's like, and you've got this raggedy crew from Indiana and all these misfits from Long Island and New York City and you guys are just breaking that hard ground in that territory and going to the next level. Isn't that crazy? And I looked at him and I said this, I said, you know what? 
If it's true that you will fail 100% of the battles that God has not called you to, then the antithesis of that is that you will win 100% of what God called you to. And I'm here to encourage you today that if God called you to it, God will call you through it. And if it seems crazy to them, they might not have the full picture. They're using their metrics and their data to analyze what they think is possible in that situation. And you say, listen to me, 3CPO, you never think it's going to work. But I'm here to tell you that your odds are not my odds because the God that made mathematics is the God that can change the conditions to make the impossible possible for me. And see what happened is that God called me to, and I had to know that he called me to it. But see, Josiah, it says in chapter 35, verse 22, it says he did not turn away from this enemy, from this confrontation. He didn't take the pass. Somebody say, I'll pass. Somebody here is going to learn how to pass on the argument, how to pass on, on all this mess so that you can finally pass your test. It says he did not turn from, but he disguised himself in order to fight with this guy. And he did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God through that Egyptian. And he fought him anyway. And scripture gives an account that an arrow came through and found Josiah's chest and he bled out. They took him back to Jerusalem and he died. 39 years old. And I think the warning to so many of you today that God wants to give you is that you are fatiguing yourself and wearing yourself out fighting the wrong battles and it may be to your detriment. I wanna say this to close, can I close it out? And think this is what people need to hear this morning. Stop fighting for a relationship that God does not want you to be in. Stop fighting. One of the most futile things you can do is fight for a relationship that God's not blessing. My wife and I have been through hell together. We have fought each other. We have fought for our marriage. We have fought in our marriage. We fought in the car, in the bedroom, the bathroom, in the everywhere. I don't know if you can relate to that. But I believe that many years ago, when I looked at that woman, I'm believing just like, it's just like the scripture says, When I found a wife, I found a good thing and I found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Come on. You guys are all salty because you're single, but somebody else can clap about that. Why is that? Listen, I'm trying to encourage somebody here. Why do you need to hear that? Because I believe that God called me to that relationship. God called me to her when we said our vows till death do, do each other par. Come on. I might be sneaking in her heavenly mansion in heaven. Sorry, God. But why? Why? Because when I was in our darkest hour of our marriage, I had to know that if he called me to it, he's going to call me through it. On the other side, there's reconciliation. And some of you are fighting for a relationship that the fruit of it has only got you further away from God. When I counsel people and they ask me, should I be in this relationship? I always ask them this one question. What has it done to your relationship with God? That's it. And so somebody could manipulate you with the word of prophecy. Girl, the Lord told me we're supposed to be together. That's funny. He didn't tell you to fast last week, did he? He's never told you to fast. But to get up close enough to smell her perfume, he told you? I rebuke you, devil. But I always ask people, what's that relationship done to your relationship with God? That'll tell you right now. Here's the next thing I think you need to hear. 
Stop fighting for approval of man that won't heal your wound for approval anyways. Stop fighting for the approval of man that won't heal a wound for approval anyways. Because the same people that will nationally rank your podcast one, one week will make a website calling you an occult the next week. And so if I'm living and, and my happiness rises and falls based on your approval, I can't sustain my destiny anymore. And I've got to be so full up with the presence of God and the word of God that I can't be crushed. Let me, hear, let me tell you this. Stop fighting other people's battles. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, train up a child in the way of the Lord and he will not depart from it. It doesn't say train up a 34 year old in the way of the Lord and micromanage him and log into his phone and constantly tell him everything to do to the point where he hates you and God. Somebody just realized right now they need to share this podcast. I never tagged nobody before, but I'm about to tag them now. I got too many parents that are suffering the consequences of never bringing their children to the house of God to have a relationship with God. They either gave them religion or gave them nothing at all and now can't understand why they're wayward. Train up a child in the way of God. Listen, I'll tell you what, I preach to my own kids and we sit down and have Bible study together more than I ever teach any of you guys because my greatest investment has to be at home because when I'm faithful in Jerusalem, then I can go out from there. And you know Everly laughs the whole time and don't let me get through three words. It's good training for those of you who don't believe in God. We fight. <laughs> and the last thing I think you need to hear is this. You got to get this word in your gut today. I'll pass instead of picking a fight. I'll pass instead of taking a fail and I'll pass instead of accepting the sabotage of warfare all around me. Would you stand to your feet? Would somebody say, I'll pass. Come on, I'll pass. Come on, you might need to post it online the next time that fool that you used to date posts a picture with a hotter woman because you just listened to January and June and you're only five weeks into your weight loss journey. And you say, I'll pass because somebody's gonna love every single ounce of me. Come on. When you see somebody else shredding the guitar and you're only four days into your YouTube lessons journey and you say, I'm not gonna be jealous this time, I'll pass, I'll pass. Cause here's what's at stake. And we're gonna pray it out. Here's what's at stake. Josiah in second Chronicles, it said that he actually wore a disguise to go fight the enemy. Are you following me? He wore a disguise to go do the thing that God did not call him to. You have to become someone you were not destined to become to fight battles you were not destined to fight. You will always have to become someone you were not destined to become to fight battles you weren't destined to fight. On the contrary, your true identity is always waiting for you in the battles that you're called to fight. And what's at stake here is you getting this right getting this warfare right, refusing the distractions, refusing to fight everything, to fight the right thing. You know, there's a time where Julie and I took a, a leave of absence from ministry. We didn't preach, we didn't sing songs, and you know what we did? We went to marriage counseling for a year and a half and said, I'm not gonna fight 
everything without instead until I fight that which is within. But you know what? I believe we came out on the other side stronger. But I've got people who are wearing a disguise. And you've got Christians nowadays spending more time designing a logo than they do on their knees before God asking if he even wants to birth that ministry. You've got more church planters trying to find the sexiest place in America to plant a church than getting on their knees and say, if you call me to a 600-person town without a post office, I will covenant to that land and love those people until I breathe my last breath. But we want to go where it's sexy. And here's what's at stake. If you birth something in the natural, it is always going to face natural consequences. If it's corruptible, it will be corrupted. But when you birth something in the spiritual, in the supernatural, it is forever lasting. And I had to know, God, I want to fight for Long Island, but I'm not doing it till I know it's born in the spirit. Not born of my own carnal desires because I knew I would lose coming out here if it was just another good idea and not a God idea. In today's service, it's all about closing it out and saying death to the good ideas and life to the God ideas. Because I got a whole bunch of reformers, a whole bunch of Josiahs that aren't gonna take the arrow wearing the disguise of someone they're never called to be in a battle they were never called to fight. But I'll tell you this, when you start fighting the right battle and you start fighting it in your true identity, not even the gates of hell will prevail against you. You will look around and see an exceedingly great army. You will look around and see a host of angels around you. Financial provision will come. The doors will open that no man can shut and you will hear a yes where everyone else is hearing a no. Come on, smile like you're about to know you're winning. I want the most indignant, unreligious, smiling church. You know, there's only two reasons why you smile a lot. You're stupid or you know something that somebody else doesn't know. We got Jesus. We have Jesus. He's the best kept secret out here. Come on. I'm smiling because I'm not alone. I'm smiling because I'm not fighting the wrong fight anymore. Why does that church smile so much? Because we found something. The kingdom was like a treasure in a, in a field. It was just buried somewhere in Farmingdale in a movie theater. And I tripped over it one day and said, there's wealth of riches here, uncomparable to anything I've ever seen. It's the very presence and life of God. Come on. Let's pray this thing out. Somebody say, I'll pass. Someone say, I'll pass. Come on. Let's pray. Close your eyes with me. If you're here and, and you're just saying, man, I am so tired of fighting. I needed this word today, but more than even preaching, I need Jesus because I can't walk out here alone. I need to know that I'm walking with the spirit of God alive inside of me. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want to take that, that blood, that presence. Come on, you put your hands down. There's so many hands here today. Everyone, just real quick. I know Evan's nervous because the loadout team's got to just ravenously load this place out. You all, everyone here promise to join the loadout team after this prayer, okay? And just tell, and just look at Evan and just tell him we love him. But I feel like something's happening and I want you to look at me when I tell you this. The, the social change that you have been burdened for, 
that changed even the reformation inside of the local church that you've been burdened for. You haven't been able to put the words to it at times, but you knew something was wrong with what you experienced and there's something more because you have a burden. I, I just tell you, I believe it's from God, but the temptation is gonna be for you to fight and what happens is when you take a light, just like these lights that you see here, and you diffuse them over the room, they lose their potency the more you diffuse them. But if you take this same light and you put it and focus it to a laser, it can physically cut through things. And your destiny is to be a laser, not a light bulb. But you have actually been caught in this belief that your job is to fight everything all the time, and you've lost all your potency, and you've lost all your vigor, and your vitality's gone. So we're gonna pray a prayer right now, and I want you to come out of this prayer believing I'll pass now. I'll pass on that, but it's not pass to go into passivity. It's pass to go into the true warfare. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, let's pray. Everyone just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, today I'll pass. I choose to fight what you've called me to fight. And I thank you that you are already the God over my battles. You've already given me victory. You've already given me a way through. I receive your son Jesus, the sacrifice of the cross. And today I say, I am winning because he won. And I receive it in Jesus name. Somebody shout, amen. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.